I want to share some things with you from my heart uh, about prayer uh, and and why the Lord has led me to bring this series of messages to you. What we began last week and then today and then two weeks following today, we'll still continue on our series on prayer. Prayer is one of the most foundational elements of Christianity. Folks that don't even consider themselves Christian or don't even entertain the thought of accepting Christ, um, they know, though, that prayer is a basic, fundamental of Christianity. And I shared with you last week, I didn't share with you his name, I'll share that today, a French Roman Catholic Archbishop. If you go out there on Google and you start Googling quotes about prayer, there's some really good stuff out there. And here's one of the ones you will find. This is what Francois Fenelon had to say. Uh, He was a French Roman Catholic Archbishop, and here's what he had to say about prayer. Listen to this this morning. I should have put this quote on the screen, but I didn't, so listen closely. He says, Of all the duties enjoined by Christianity, none is more essential and yet more neglected than prayer. Of all the duties enjoined by Christianity, none is more essential and yet more neglected than prayer. A relationship with Christ without prayer is like trying to grow grass without planting seed or trying to build a house without first digging a footer and laying a foundation. You simply cannot separate the two. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said this about prayer. He said, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Shauna shared in both services today about let everything that hath breath Praise the Lord. Martin Luther King Jr. said to be a Christian without praying is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. But however, as foundational, as fundamental, as basic, as essential as prayer is to our walk with Jesus Christ, most people that I talk to in my daily duties as a pastor, uh, most of the time when somebody comes to me to discuss uh, an issue. They don't come to me to talk about their prayer life, but I can promise you we most of the time always end up talking about their prayer life. And most of the time when I talk to people about their prayer life, most people fall into one of two categories when it comes to their personal prayer life with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is number one, they're confused. Or number two, they're frustrated. Uh, what do you mean, Pastor Sean? They're confused on how to pray. The Just the specifics of what to say, what to do, the mechanics of prayer. They find themselves stumbling around with no words and seemingly no ability to communicate with the Lord in prayer. And so they're confused about exactly how to pray and to feel like uh, their prayers are, are being heard. And then secondly, frustration. You know what frustration is a result of? Most of the time in your life, frustration will be a result of silence. And as Christians, sometimes we get frustrated because We have failed, not the Lord, we have failed at our attempts to setting aside time, specified times to pray and to to, uh, converse and to have dialogue with the Lord. And then there's people that may feel like they have mastered the mechanics of prayer, but they feel like they have no real connection. You know, that feeling when you feel like, man, my prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling. They're going nowhere. And that leads to frustration as well. So, In this series that we began last week, last week we talked about persistence and no more appropriate time to talk about uh, a praying mama by the name of Hannah than on Mother's Day and talk about her persistence in prayer. 
But I want us to talk about prayer in this series and see if we can move past the confusion and move past the frustration as we examine what this book, what the scripture has to say about prayer and make another declaration together as a church family comprised of individuals who can honestly, honestly, and boldly declare, I pray. And not just that I pray, but that I know how to pray. I know God hears me when I pray. I know what the results are of a prayer prayed to a prayer answering God. Are you with me this morning? That's what I want us to look at in His Word. So today, if you'll stand with me all over the room, I want us to look at one of the most revealing prayer meetings, I believe, ever to be recorded in Scripture. In fact, it's the last uh, protracted, pull-away prayer session that you'll find the Lord Jesus in when He was still walking on this earth. And it's also a time of prayer that reveals some important things to us about what we're going to be talking about today, and that is the intimacy of prayer with God. Matthew chapter 14, verses 32 through 39, I'll be reading in the NIV version. And this was when Jesus was praying in the garden. The Bible said they went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going on a little further, he fell to the ground, and he prayed that, if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, notice the comma there, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet, not what I will but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation for the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. Today I want to talk to you in the second message in the series I pray. We're going to talk about intimacy in your prayer life with God. Pray with me and for me. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. God, I ask you to remove every hindrance, Lord, for the next few moments out of the way. Let this word be planted in our hearts. Let us receive your word today. God, I pray, Lord, that I wouldn't speak my words, but let it be your words. God, that come forth in the demonstration of the power of your spirit. And more than anything, let us leave this place differently than we came. Because we've been in your presence and changed by your word. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. Just moments before the most painful and horrendous hours of his life, we find that Jesus himself takes time to pray. The most famous and often painted scene that you've seen many times of Jesus kneeling next to that rock, so burdened and so overwhelmed by what is about to happen and take place in his life that his sweat, you even see it depicted in the paintings, his sweat becomes great drops of blood, as the Word says. And this whole scene teaches us three things I want to share with you this morning about the intimacy of prayer that we all need to know. So three things I want to share with you today. First of all is this, you are intimate with who you pray to. 
Let me say that again. You are intimate with who you pray to. I want you to notice if they put verse uh, verse 36 back up on the screen. I want you to hear the intimacy of this phrase. Jesus himself says, Abba. There's a comma there. Then he says, Father. The dictionary defines Abba as this. First of all, it says it's a noun. Everybody remembers from school that a noun is a person, a place, or a thing, right? Abba is a noun, which means an intimate term, an intimate term. This is the definition. For God as our Father. Jesus' prayer right here reveals the relationship that he had established with who he was praying to. Now, I don't know about you, but my children have specific things that they call me when they want my attention. And for one thing, Abby, when she wants my attention, she doesn't. Now, sometimes if she wants to just be funny, she'll say, hey, Pastor Dad. But uh, And if she maybe wants me for something else, it may be a different term. But when she wants my attention and she wants me to do something for her, she says in a real sweet voice, Daddy. And when she says that, it grips my heart. Shelby doesn't call me, he's too manly to call me daddy, but he calls me dad. And when he says dad, it grips my heart and it gets my attention. Now, for many years of my life, uh, I know that there will be some of you that may not agree with what I'm about to say. And I have been in the school of thought that you may be with this before. But there are pastors and there are worship leaders and there are leaders in the church who have terms and terminology that they use for God the Father, and I believe that we should be, uh, we should have utmost respect um, uh, and uh, reverence for the Lord when we refer to Him, but sometimes these people have called uh, Him Papa. When I think about what Derek Johnson's girls refer to Him as, they call Him Papa. Abby may call me Daddy, some of you have different names that your children call you. And I know that we've been critical before and said, oh, no, God is not anybody's daddy. God is not anybody's papa. God is not anybody's this or that. But then I began when I studied this week to question and I thought, I wonder sometimes if those people whom we criticize have a more intimate relationship with the Lord than we do. Because I want to tell you something this morning. If Abby can say, Daddy, and it grabs my heart and gets my attention... How much more does it grab God's heart and get God's attention when he hears a voice and a name that is intimate between you and him that when you say just that name, Abba, when Jesus said Abba, the God the Father's attention was garnered just like that. And you know what God the Father was saying? That's my son. He's getting ready to call upon me for something. He's got my attention when he called me Abba. I want to tell you something today. We need an intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that when we say his name he hears and recognizes our voice and he's attentive to the needs that we're bringing to his throne Ian Bounds said this Ian Bounds is one of the greatest writers on prayer that you'll ever read as a matter of fact he's expounded in an entire book about prayer but here's just one phrase that Ian Bounds said uh, out out of his book on prayer he says those who know God best are the richest and most powerful in prayer. Those who know God best are the richest and most powerful in prayer. Little acquaintance with God and strangeness and coldness to Him makes prayer a rare and feeble thing. 
Let me say that part again. Little acquaintance with God and strangeness and coldness to Him make prayer a rare and feeble thing. This is why prayer is so important. Listen to me. You can't become intimate with a God you never talk to. Hope your kids are in kids' church because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something this morning. If you have a spouse, if the only time, men, that your wives ever hear from you is when you're hungry or you need something washed or pressed. See, some of y'all ain't been trained like Angie trained me. I can do all that by myself. But if the only time they ever hear from you is when you need them to do something for them, I would venture to say your intimacy life is not what it could be. You can't be intimate with somebody you never talked to. You can't be intimate with God if you are always dismissing Him and the only time you come around is when you need Him to do something for you. That's not intimacy with God. As a matter of fact, you can worship and still not be intimate. Now wait a minute, Pastor. Let me prove it to you. Go back to the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel. If you go to that story, you can find fanatical, and I mean fanatical worshipers. For those of you that think some of us are fanatical, you can find some fanatical worshipers who were willing to dance, they were willing to shout. The Bible said they even cut themselves to show their devotion, but there was no intimacy with the one true God. None. Elijah, who did not, now here's for those of you that criticize the fact that other people don't worship the way you think they ought to. See, it goes both ways in the church. We do it both ways. Some people are just like, oh, all that's not necessary. All that stuff Pastor Sean does, that's just not necessary. Well, maybe it's not necessary for you, but it's necessary for me. So I'm not going to look back and say, oh, them sitting there like a knot on a log. That's just not necessary. Because here's what, here's what I read in the Bible that happened. Let me give you this example. Elijah... He had no overt acts of worship, no big open show, nothing that drawed attention to himself. Depending on which translation you read, all he did was say a 60-something word prayer. But when he did, it pressed in to the heart and the hands of God. Listen to me. 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 36 and 37. The word said, at the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward. And what did he do? And prayed. He said, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Verse 37, he said, answer me, Lord, answer me, so that these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. See, he didn't do any kind of special uh, showy act of worship. All he did was pray. But let me tell you something. Elijah had such an intimate relationship with God. He stood back and he watched everybody else do everything else in their own power, in their own strength, and in their own flesh. And then he stood back without a big show, without a big uh, spectacle, and prayed about 60-something words. But when Elijah...
Elijah prayed and he said answer me Lord answer me so that these people will know that you are God and that you are turning their hearts back again if you read the rest of the story the Bible said right then fire fell from heaven and consumed the sacrifice on the offering and it even licked up the water that was in the trench why because God heard Elijah when Elijah prayed God recognized his voice and when he said answer God answered that's intimacy in your prayer life with God the amount of time that you spend in prayer dictates your intimacy level with God now I do believe in special set aside moments of prayer I believe that we all need that but I also believe that one of the most effective and overlooked types of prayer is the without ceasing prayer how many knows what I'm talking about It's those daily, moment by moment, minute by minute, awareness and acknowledgement and recognition of God's presence that leads you into just a constant conversation about both the common things and the complex things of this life. Jesus himself practiced specific times of prayer. However, if you study the word much, you'll also find that he had a conversational relationship with the Father. When he was at the tomb, standing at the tomb of a dear friend who had gone on to be with the Lord, he simply just began standing at that tomb to talk to God. When he was hanging on the cross, even suffering the pain and the anguish that he suffered, he simply just began while hanging there suffering and dying to just talk with the Father. While walking along uh, the path, uh, we read in another passage of Scripture, he just begins to talk to God. Jesus displayed daily moments of intimacy with the Lord. I think too many of us run from prayer. We discount the importance of prayer. And we separate prayer to be something for a special class of people that we want to refer to as prayer warriors. And some of us are convinced that we can never become disciplined in in long, uh, specified, secluded seasons of prayer. So since we miss the prayer meetings, we assume that we can't be prayer warriors ourselves. And in the frustrations, we miss out on opportunities for daily conversations with the Lord. See, the truth is, God just wants us to talk frequently and commonly to Him throughout the day. In your life, who is it that you're the most intimate with? I guarantee you it's those who you are in constant contact with. The person who calls you on the phone, maybe you don't have their number saved, but you know their voice so well. You don't have to ask who this is. The person with whom it's unnecessary to stop conversation and give background information because they've been so intimately involved in your life that they already know that information. The conversation is just a continuation of what you've already talked about. See, every time that Jesus returned to prayer after confronting his disciples, he simply hit the unpause button. Put that last verse, if you will, of our main passage of Scripture back up on the screen. Lauren, the very last verse said, once more he went away. And prayed the same thing. See, one verse prior to that, he was addressing the disciples. And then we read that he just hit the unpause button. And he came back to where he he was. And he picked up where he had left off his conversation with the Lord. I want to ask you this morning, how often do we let what should be a pause button become a stop button? 
Because we aren't intimate enough with the Lord to pick up right where we left off. Are you constant in prayer to the point that you have your own personal Abba? You have your own personal call for the Lord. You're on a first name basis. And you have a level of intimacy with God that's like family. Are you that way? Or when you pray, does it feel like you've got to start all over from the beginning every single time? Nothing irks me anymore. I think I said this last week, but I'll, I'll, it bears repeating. Nothing irks me anymore than to go somewhere and be asked to be a part of some type of public service and somebody who is asked to pray gets up and reads a, a printed prayer that they found somewhere on the Internet. Nothing irks me anymore. God deserves more from me or else I don't know Him well enough to talk to Him. Now, I'm not against typing out a prayer if you get asked to speak at a public place, but when you type out that prayer, it should be your prayer. It should be your words to God. And you should have a relationship with Him, that you know Him. Your intimacy level is not determined, folks, by prayer meetings. Your prayer intimacy level is not determined by prayer meetings. It's determined by your prayer lifestyle. Do you take God with you into your car? Do you take God with you into your job? Do you take God with you into your hobbies? Or do those people who see you in those places see you differently than we see you here? Mm-hmm. You'll know that you're as intimate with God as you should be when somebody asks you, Who are you talking to? I passed you in your truck the other day and you was talking to somebody, but wasn't nobody else in there. That's when you know you're intimate with the Lord. Nowadays, that, that, that doesn't happen so much because everybody's got hands-free talking. So everybody's driving down the road talking to somebody. But years ago, before we had hands-free talking, I left the bank one day and I was on lunch, and I always, I just pray in my truck. If you see me talking down the, going down the road, I may be talking to somebody hands-free, but I may be talking to the Lord. And I got back to my desk, and the phone rang at, my, at the bank, and I sat down at my desk and answered the phone, and they said, Are you okay? And I said, Yeah, I'm okay. Why? I just passed you on Kentucky Street. You was talking up a storm, and there wasn't a soul in your vehicle with you. I said, I was talking to the Lord. I almost said, did you see me start clapping my hands and having a Pentecostal spell behind that wheel when I was driving? Because that's what happens sometimes. But when you have an intimate relationship with the Lord, you'll be talking driving down the road, not even realizing it's just second nature to you. Talk to Him about the big things and the little things. Secondly, so firstly, you're intimate with who you pray to. Secondly, you're intimate with who you pray for. See, the truth is our prayer list reveals a lot about us. It reveals who you're intimate with because if you're intimate with somebody, you'll be compelled to pray for them. You'll be so intimately acquainted with their needs, with their pain, with their concerns, that you will pray for them. Your prayer list also reveals your heart and your compassion level. When you pray, do you only pray for you? Or do you pray for those that you're intimately involved with? I'm convinced that most of us spend too much time in prayer for me and mine. And we never move to a deeper place of prayer, which is you and yours. Because I want to tell you, in my personal life, some of the biggest blessings I've ever received is when I put my needs to the side and prayed for somebody else's. Then God met my needs. We live in a church world sometimes that becomes so frustrated with people. It's easy for us to say, why are they doing that again? Why can't they get that right? 
And in this world we're living in, let's just be honest. It's real easy for us to say, did you see what they posted on Facegram or Insta- Facebook or Instagram? Right? Some of y'all need to put up Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. Because it keeps you riled up all the time. If anything keeps you riled up all the time, lay it down. Put it away. Forget about it. And instead of looking at people and saying, why are they doing that? Why can't they ever get that right? I want to tell you, it's a hard pill for us to swallow sometimes. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Jesus himself, when he saw people like that, Jesus said, oh God, move me with compassion for the lost. Oh, I'm going to preach to us for a moment. It's not the church's job to be frustrated with people all the time. It's the church's job to be intimate enough with God that we say, God, I don't have enough compassion right now. Move me with compassion for those that need you. If you want a deeper relationship with others, if you want to be more connected, because we talk a lot about connection in this modern church age, If you want to be more connected, then begin praying for people. Because if you go back to Jesus' extended prayer, which he prayed just moments before he entered into the garden, it reveals the intimacy level that he had with his disciples. It's found in John chapter 17. I don't have time to read it. It's 26 verses long. But out of the 26 verses, Jesus spends 20 verses crying out to God on behalf of his disciples. Let that sink in for just a few moments. He knows that he's getting ready to go to the cross and lose his life for you and I, but he spends 20 out of 26 verses praying for the ones that he's leaving behind. And he asks God to keep them. He asks God to give them joy. Go back and read it for yourself. He asks God to give them unity. He asks God that God would sanctify them. He asks the Lord to protect them from the evil one. His intimacy with his disciples dominated his time of prayer. I want to ask you this morning, who dominates your prayers? Whose situation dominates your prayers? I challenge you today to open up your prayer list, to lengthen it, to broaden it, to get so intimately involved in folks' lives that you can actually pray for what they need. Because too many times, too many times, our prayers are too self-focused. And therefore, we have no intimacy with anyone else because we can't get past us. This morning, I wanted to share this with you because I got up and, you know, as, as a pastor, I love to preach those messages that just have you all just up on your feet praising the Lord. Those are my favorite. Then when the Lord gives me something to tell you you ain't praying right, that ain't no fun. And I struggle with it and I say, no, I don't want to do that. I'd rather preach something else. And then the Lord keeps directing me, no, this is what, take a few weeks, slow down, talk about prayer until the people are really praying and getting intimate with me. And then the Lord does this thing called confirmation. How many say, thank God for confirmation? I'm preaching to you. I already had this, obviously, I already had this sermon written, had my three points made, and I'm not normally a point preacher, but I had my three points made. And I wanted to get across to you today that you're intimate with who you pray to, you're intimate with who you pray for, and then next we'll talk about you're intimate with who you pray with. But I got up this morning, and, and I went back through my message. I prayed, and then I was standing at the sink getting ready, shaving, and I got this text. Now, I love confirmation. I got this text from an area pastor, good man in this town, pastors of Baptist Church. This is what he said. He said, Dear Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful for what you've done for me. 
for the riches of your mercy and grace and for the gift of salvation. We are so blessed as your children, and I can't thank you and praise you enough. I pray for this preacher today that your hand would be upon him today as he stands to preach and proclaim your precious word and ministers to hearts. Fill Brother Sean Disney with the power of your Holy Spirit and anoint him from on high. I pray that you, Lord Jesus, would be lifted up, worshipped, honored, and glorified through him as he preaches, listen to this, the message that you have placed upon his heart for this day. May some lost soul be saved today and the saints refreshed, renewed, and revived in you. Meet every need that he and his wife may have and give to them the strength they stand in the need of for whatever they may face each day. Protect them, their families, and ministries from the enemy is my prayer this morning. And give them a service today like never before that each would be beside themselves saturated in you in Jesus name I pray amen and then I read that and I thought well praise the Lord God knew the message that I had for today and God hit hit a home run with point number two you're intimate with who you pray for thank God for a Baptist pastor in this town who woke up this morning at seven o'clock with a burden for me on his heart and God thought enough about me to send me a confirmation that this is my word that I've given to you to preach today Tell the people they need to be more intimate in their prayer with me. Too many of our prayers are too self-focused and therefore we don't achieve intimacy with God or anyone else because we can't get past us. Thirdly, you're intimate with who you pray with. I want you to stop and think about Jesus for just one moment this morning. Jesus, who was the Son of God. He had the ability to raise the dead. He can discern hearts, and he even knows the thoughts, think about that, of men. He was divinity in the flesh. He was ultimately divine. And the Word, he was the Word that created all things from the beginning and the Word that will continue till the end. And yet, if you read this book, you'll find that Jesus needed prayer partners. Jesus wasn't content to pray only in isolation. Yes, he had times when it was just him and the Father. And he also had times that he wanted to pray with other people. And he gives us a glimpse of his heart because he involves others in his prayer life. So here's the big question that I have for you this morning. If Jesus himself needed people to pray with, what makes you think you can go it alone? I'm thankful, folks, that in our private prayer time, God can show up, yes, and miracles can take place. I'm thankful that you can share those intimate moments with just you and the Lord, and you can be energized, and you can discover intimacy with Him. But I'm also very thankful this morning that Jesus shows us that we must also find intimacy by praying with other people. See, you might grow close to the people you vacation with. I hope you do or I wouldn't vacation with them. You might grow close to some of the people you work with. Some of them, not so much. You'll grow intimate with the people that you eat regularly with and share a meal with. But I want to tell you this morning, there is a supernatural bond that can only take place when you pray with somebody, with a fellow believer. It's the people that you share needs with and pray with that you'll be attached to at soul level. You need that type of intimacy with somebody else in the body. Did you hear me? 
You need that type of intimacy with somebody else in the body. And this takes relationship to a depth that cannot be achieved any other way. I want you to notice what James chapter 5 and verse 16 said. See, we often quote the last part of this verse, but we often leave out the first part. James said, confess your trespasses or your sin one to another. Now let me stop right there. I don't need anybody to get up and tell the church, the whole church, your dirty laundry. Say amen, somebody. But find a fellow believer that you can share with, that you can confess your struggles with, you can confess your sin with, and pray for each other. Why, James said, that's the way you get healed. (laughs) That's the way you get set free. That's the way you get delivered. That's the way you get that prayer answered. Confess to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Then, once you've done that, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That's what the Word said. You need somebody to pray with. Matthew 18 and 19, Jesus said this. Again, truly, I tell you that if two of you, we often quote this and say two or three, this this, uh, book, Matthew, says two. If any two of you on earth agree about anything they may ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Can I tell you, when you agree with somebody else in prayer, it takes your prayer to a whole different level with God. You need to pray with others because sometimes, you I promise you, you're going to go through things in this life that you need somebody to agree with you in prayer. When we learn to pray with somebody else, it forces us to become transparent and be real with that person. It moves us beyond surface relationships. I want to tell you something right now, and listen to me when I say this. You can attend this church and never become intimate with anybody if all you do is come to church. If you never talk to them. But when you take time to look at somebody else in the eye and you say, I can see you struggling. What can I help you pray about? I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to help you. What can I help you pray about? At that moment, intimacy is gained. And entrance is granted into each other's hearts. As I come to the music this morning, I want to ask you, who do you pray with? And who prays with you? Prayer is about intimacy. It's the footing of our spiritual life. It's the ground floor, if you will. It's the foundation for intimacy with God and with each other. I share with the 845 crowd this morning that I'm going to share with you. Just a couple weeks ago, a lady came into my office, and I tell this story because she reminded me of something that I'll share with that about that intimacy with prayer with somebody. But she came into my office at the bank, not church, at the bank a couple weeks ago, and she she said, When she walked in, because she had been sent by her accountant to see me, when she walked in, she said, I knew that name sounded familiar, but I didn't realize until I saw you. She said, it's been about 20 years ago. And she said, I was in revival. I attended revival at a church where you and your wife and another lady were singing. And she said, and there was an evangelist there. And his name, and I thought about this man as I was writing this message so uh, she said his name was and she began to stumble over his name and I began to think about one of the best revivals that we were ever in and it was about 2004 so she was close Um, 
It was around 2004, so it was about 17 years ago. And she said, uh, an evangelist by the name of, and I said, Alvy Robinson. She said, yes, that's it. She said, he was preaching revival, but she said, at this particular point in time, she said, you and your wife and the other lady were up singing a song. You were singing through the fire. And she said, I'll never forget. She said, my brother was so lost. He was a drug addict. She said, he was bound in drugs and sin, and I didn't even know he was in the building. And she said, you all were singing. And she said, my brother testifies and tells the story. He was standing in the back, and she said, all of a sudden, he began to feel fire inside his bones. And she said, he thought, my goodness, I've got to get out of here. I've got to leave. And she said, he turned, and he went to the door. And she said, he says that he got to the back of the church, and it was like he hit a glass wall. There was something there that wouldn't let him go back, go out. And he said, God, if I can't go out, I've got to go up. And she said, he said about that time he ran down that aisle, he fell on that altar, and he gave his heart to Jesus Christ that night. And she said, ever since that night, she said, I want you to know he's not touched another drug. He's not touched another drop of alcohol. God delivered him and set him free. And he's now preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And she said, thank you. For obeying the Lord that night. But thank you for being anointed while you were obeying the Lord. Boy, that just encouraged me and that just strengthened me. And I said, thank you so much for sharing that with me. You've made my, I would say you've made my day, but you've made my month. Thank you. Who are you intimate? Took care of her business and she left. And I was writing this sermon thinking about who are you intimate in prayer with. We became so acquainted with that evangelist that after that revival for years, for the first few years, he and I would talk on the phone from time to time. We didn't know each other before that revival. He was the evangelist. We were the singers. He was supposed to be there a few nights. We were supposed to be there one night. And revival went on for weeks. I mean weeks. I don't know how many they baptized out of that revival. It went on so long, I would go to work during the day thinking, Lord, have mercy. I don't have to go to church tonight again, do I? But I was grateful once I got there because of what God was doing. But I, it took my mind back, and I'm closing with this took my mind back to 2007 when I found myself in what is now St. Joseph, London, what was then Marymount Hospital, the old building up on the hill. I had a blood clot. Didn't know I had a health problem in the world. I had a blood clot in my left leg from the middle of my calf all the way up to my groin. I laid in that hospital for six days while they tried to dissolve that clot. Found out I had a blood clotting disorder that I live with for the rest of my life and I'm medicated for but then I had no clue and six days in after I laid there the pants that I have on today are size 38 my left leg measured 36 inches in diameter at the top it was almost as big as I am you talk about miserable you talk about uncomfortable and the doctor come in the room and the, he said he didn't give me any good news he said we can't dissolve this clot we're flying you to Lexington before you before something happens and you die here. He said, they're going to have to amputate your leg. I wasn't even 31 years old. I was just 30. Abby was six. Shelby was three. You're going to lose your leg at age 30. If you even survived the flight to Lexington. Because when we move you out of this bed, we need you to understand there's a danger that this blood clot could move and go to your heart or your lungs and it could kill you instantly. Got a PA student sitting on the front seat, front row, shaking his head because he knows what I'm talking about. Didn't give me any good news. I thought, okay. So before they flew me out, I told my wife and my kids how much I loved them. 
and they were packaging me up. I felt like I was in a cocoon. If you've never been flown out, I pray you never are, but it's quite an experience. They packaged me up. I couldn't move my arm. I was wrapped up all the way around. Little nurse comes in my room. This is, this is how you know when you're intimate with God and who you pray with. Little nurse comes into my room. She says, Brother Sean, she said, I just knew that you needed prayer, and I know you're a Christian and a believer. And she said, I knew that you needed prayer. And she said, we're in revival at our church this week. And she said, I called the evangelist that's in revival. She said, I just got his number off of his card. She said, we're in revival at Pine Hill Holiness Church in Livingston. Uh, some of you know that church. And she said, we're in revival with this evangelist. And she said, when I called him, I said, I know you may not know him, but there's a young man here. They're getting ready to fly out to UK by the name of Sean Disney. And she said, I need you to pray for him. I need you to pray that God, number one, saves his life, but also pray that God will save his leg. And uh, she said, uh, Sean, she came in carrying her phone. She said, I know you can't get the phone or anything, but she said, he says he knows you. And he says for me to, to put the, give you the phone. I said, okay, who is it? She said, his name is Alvy Robinson. And she put the phone up to my ear. He said, Sean Disney, I don't know what's going on with you, but when she called me for prayer, he said, I heard the Lord, if I've ever heard him, speak to me and say, you tell Sean Disney that he shall not die, but he shall live and declare the works of the Lord. And he began to pray for me over the phone. And I received that prayer. And I want to tell you for the next six, 16 days. I heard every bad report you can imagine. I heard you've got cancer in your body. We've just got to find it. 16 consecutive days of test after test after test looking for the cancer. But I held on to the word that God gave me in an intimate moment of prayer with a brother who intimately agreed with me and prayed for me. And 16 days later, that clot had been surgically removed. My swelling in my leg had gone down. They didn't amputate my leg and they didn't find one cell of cancer in my body. What are you saying pastor? I'm saying intimate prayer with God means something. Intimate prayer with God means something. And intimate prayer with fellow believers means something. Stand with me all over the room this morning. I want to invite you today to spend some time in intimate prayer with the Father. One of the most intimate places of prayer that I have ever found is the altar. My God, how we need the altar back in our churches. I'm going to say that again. My God, how we need the altar back in our churches. I'm going to say it till somebody helps me. My God, how we need the altar back in our churches. We need to stop running for the door and start running for the altar again. You want to see a change in America? Start running for the altar. You want to see a change in your children? Start running for the altar. You want to see a healing in your life? Start running for the altar. This is an intimate place of prayer with God. Do you need to give up something in your life today? You don't hear that preached much anymore. Is there something you need to give up in your life today? There's no better place to lay it down, folks, than at the altar. Do you need to make a commitment for a greater level of intimacy with God? There's no better place for that to begin than at the altar. Or maybe you have a loved one that needs to accept Christ. Or who needs to be delivered and set free. Or maybe 
a loved one that just needs God to move in their life. There's no better place to leave that with the Lord than in an intimate altar of prayer. Maybe you're here today and you need somebody to agree with you in prayer about something. I want to encourage you to come to this altar and somebody will meet you here and agree with you in prayer. Because when we make the declaration, I'm closing with this. When we make the declaration, I pray, it needs to be more than just an empty statement. It needs to be a truth spoken by a people who have an intimate level of communication with a prayer answering God. Martin Luther said this. He said, grant that I may not pray alone with the mouth. Help me that I pray from the depths of my heart. They're going to sing in a moment. We're going to open this altar today. I want to ask as many of you that will to come and find a place to lay it down in this altar or make an altar at your seat. Find a place to lay it down. There's masks available on both sides of the altar. But we need that intimate time of prayer back in the church today. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the altar. Thank you, God, that you are a prayer answering God, that you hear our cries and that you meet our needs. And Lord, today, whether people, Lord, need to come and lay something on this altar or they need to come and get somebody to agree with them in prayer, God, I pray in the next few moments that, Lord, you would just deal, you would just move.